0: So hello everyone, Uh, my name is Vikas Agrawal and uh, I'm the founder of AIF and PMS Experts India. So firstly, I would like to thank all the participants for taking their time out and joining in today. Uh, It's a very, very special day because uh, I am joined on this call by Mr. Hiren and Mr. Devendra from Alchemy Capital Management. Uh, So it's a very, uh, again, as I said, it's a very special day because it took me some time to kind of seek an appointment from Mr. Hiren and finally, get him on the show. So, thank you so much, Mr. Hiran for accepting our request.
1: No, thanks. Thanks. Uh, It's a privilege to be here uh, amongst you and, uh, you know, all your uh, subscribers, and I hope that uh, they will all take away something important after today's session. Um, The way we have decided to structure today's uh, Uh, session is that I will start by giving an introduction on Alchemy and what was the basic philosophy behind the product, you know, uh, what was the need for Alchemy ascent, which is a rule based, uh, uh, you know, portfolio management uh, technique. Uh, And then I will let Devane uh, talk about the exact mechanics of how the product works, yeah. share some experience and data of uh, many years of backtesting and almost two and a half years of live performance of the strategy. And then we can move on to QA.
0: All right. So let me have the privilege of introducing you. So Mr. Hiren Weil brings about almost two decades of experience on the table. Uh, in fact, sorry, it's 3 decades, almost 29 years as we speak. Uh, so he is the co-founder, uh, director, CEO and CIO at Alchemy Capital Management. He started his career in 1991 and worked on both the side, sell side and buy side research role. Uh, for the first time in his career, before joining Alchemy, he, is, he was kind of spearheading the firm Asset Management Business in the year of 2000. So he has deep knowledge across sector and known for his bottom-up research, uh, stock picking, uh, and he's also built a long long track record so the first time when they started their pms this was 2002 so they bring about almost 19 years of very very long track record if i have to quantify in terms of number then i would say somebody would have put one crore rupees that would have now grown to almost 42 crores rupees uh, over a period of these 19 long years so that clearly indicates that it has a very long and a consistent track record so today we thought of inviting him and you know, we'll have a detailed discussion about what is called rule-based investing. And also, uh, you know, I have a few questions that I'll be asking on behalf of all the investors and then we'll open the forum for Q&A as uh, indicated by Viren. So over to you, Viren.
1: So thanks, thanks Vikas again and, and and uh, you know, welcome to all the participants. So as you know, Alchemy is uh, is one of the oldest portfolio management firms Uh, in India, we've, uh, you know, in May this year, we will complete 20 years of track record of managing money. Uh, And, uh, uh, you know, at Alchemy, we are completely focused on just one asset class, which is equities. So unlike many of our peers who have diversified into doing many other things, uh, you know, wealth management or, other asset classes, uh, you know, distribution, etc. We've stayed away from defocusing from what we believe we are good at, which is uh, you know, managing equity portfolios. And this journey of almost 29, 30 years has taught us a lot. And the markets continue to teach us even as we speak. Uh, And really, uh, a couple of years back, uh, me and uh, one of my other founders, uh, as we were discussing and reflecting on our journey thus far, we realized that uh, essentially, uh, there will come a time where we need to disrupt ourselves, right? And uh, as all of you know, that every industry is getting disrupted today. Uh, Because of technology, because of regulation, uh, because of availability of new tools, computing power, uh, you know, and therefore, if we don't disrupt ourselves, somebody else will come and disrupt us. So the basic idea was if I were to use a very simple analogy, right? So if you have a great restaurant, where you like the food, You go every time to that restaurant because it's a great restaurant, you like the food, you enjoy the place, uh, you enjoy the ambience, you enjoy the service and essentially the food every time you go tastes good and that's why you keep going there, right and usually behind that there is a great chef or a group of chefs which are preparing that food, right and more often than not that's why you have a Michelin star restaurant where you have a great chef. you know. He's a very skilled person and every time you go to a restaurant, he dishes out the same great dish to you, right? Similarly in investing, when we say that we've been around for 25, 30 years, uh, there is a lot of understanding of history of market cycles, uh, you know, and over a period of time, obviously, uh, when you keep doing something consistently, you become good at it, right? And therefore, the idea for us was that uh, when I say rule based investing, that doesn't mean that other people don't use rules, right? Many of them kind of write down the rules, they follow certain pattern. Sometimes the, the rules are in the head, by way of experience, there are certain patterns that form, which tells you that when you look at a company, when you understand a company when you uh, look at the data, you look at the financial numbers, you look at the ratios, you talk to the management and then there is a certain uh, set of rules which are there which your mind has been trained to as you look at hundreds and hundreds of companies. People all have rules and active managers who actually build portfolios, fund managers, investors, they all have set rules in their mind, right? And the way I look at the wealth creation process through portfolio management, if I break it down into three broad categories, one is that stock selection, right? What kind of companies do you want to invest in? What kind of businesses you want to invest in, right? And what I've found is that most portfolio managers spend disproportionate amount of time on this first aspect, which is stock selection, but equally important or more important is portfolio construction. So it's not just about selecting a great company; it's about how you construct your portfolio, right? How you size your position? Uh, how much do you let your profits run, right? Uh, how do you think about op? opportunity cost, right? So once, let us say, I'm just giving a hypothetical example. Let's say you're building a 2025 stock portfolio. Once you build the portfolio, what happens when you find the 26th great company or another great company, what do you do, right? So which I put under portfolio construction. And third is how do you manage risk, right? When you sell a company what happens when something goes wrong uh you know and therefore risk management is the third important pillar and it is the combination of stock selection portfolio construction and risk management all three have to sync together to deliver superior uh, risk adjusted returns right so it's not one aspect that is important and Therefore, our belief is that when we decided that we want to fuse all these three, right, you need to have very clear rules of how you are going to carry out each of these three broad activities to build a portfolio. right? And what happens is that, uh, as I said, most of the people spend a lot of time on the first aspect finding a great company, finding a great business to invest in, but that's not enough, right? And the reason is that, uh, uh, you know, while an experienced person can keep doing it, right? So let's imagine if tomorrow you have a great restaurant and you have this great chef and the chef decides to leave, what do you do, right? So the idea is that if you're a business owner, if you're a restaurant owner, you would want that the same customers and new customers keep coming in because of the word of mouth, because people say, hey, you know, I, uh, did you have food at this restaurant? It's great. Is how do you institutionalise a great restaurant so that every time the customer comes, he gets the same consistent quality and great food, right? So what we did was that we use all our experience of the last 15, 20 years, the recipe of somebody doing it well. And we actually wrote down that recipe in a very objective form, in a form of set of rules. Right. And we all can say, you know, there are so many great managers, every manager during his lifetime has had great hits. Right. So somebody will say, for example, Alchemy will take credit for saying that, you know, we were one of the early ones to invest in Bajaj Finance. Look at the kind of value we've created. Somebody will say, I bought Asian paints and look at the value I've created. Uh, you know, somebody else will say, I bought Bharti very early. Look at the kind of value I have created. And all managers have their successes. They've all found some companies which have done phenomenally well for them. Our idea was that, Why should we look at only our successes? Why do we not look at somebody else also who did well and we did not pick that stock? And we asked ourselves the question: okay, you did very good in these stocks, but why did you not pick those stocks which somebody else did well in, right? Because, and therefore, when we sat down on a whiteboard, we realized that all great companies have certain attributes right? They have a certain quality. Now, many times you would have seen managers say, oh, we buy good companies, we buy consistent cash flow companies, we buy companies with great return on capital, we buy companies with so-and-so attributes. And we said that ultimately finding winners and all winners display a certain set of attributes. And it's the combination of these attributes, right, in a given context that makes these companies consistent winners so what we did was that we looked at all the great companies which have delivered fantastic value to investors over a period of time and we said these are all the attributes necessary ingredients that are required to prepare a great dish not only my dish but anybody else who did very well in those companies right so basically what we try to do is assemble all possible attributes that are required for a great company. Secondly, this selection is based on very objective data. So there is no subjectivity, right, ki hai, management hai. In ascent, we say when you say achcha management means what is the meaning of a management, how do you define achcha management, right. And therefore, you say, okay, great management is where there is growth, where return on capital is very good, working capital is great, cash flow is positive, capital allocation is right. That is how you can objectively define what is good management. Yes, there is always a subjectivity, but in this particular product, anything that you want desirable in a potential investment candidate needs to be have needs to be very very objective right but then the challenge comes is that okay there are 5000 listed companies here and there are so many sectors right and each sector has a different nuance to it and therefore even if you say let's forget 5000 companies even if I have to choose between 250 to 300 companies, it's not an easy task, right? Because you, there is a lot of data today that is available, right? In the old days, when I started, there were only half yearly results and then you used to get balance sheet data at the end of the year when the balance sheet used to come, right? Today you have quarterly results, you have earnings calls, then in between there are conferences, you know, there is there is a lot more data that is available to you today than it was available historically so it is virtually very difficult for a uh, uh, for a uh, active manager to go through that number of uh, that amount of data consistently right now one way is that people say okay i have a law i have a big research team so how big a research team you can keep right but what today you have data you have a lot of structured data and you have computing power right so once you set your rules your parameters today you have the ability to just through thousands of data points and financial results of hundreds and thousands of companies right so today that is possible because you have computing power to be able to do that so one so, so the advantage is that you can set your quality filters you can set your fundamental filters and also price is used as one of the input because price is also one of the fundamental factors, right? Uh, Old theory taught you that you look at fundamentals and then the output is you'd say, okay, this could be the expected price, but the market talks a certain language. Stocks behave in a certain manner because the price behavior, and that's not the only reason because here we are not trying to do momentum-based investing or technical analysis that we are using only price. We are using a combination of fundamental factors and price to very objectively go through a universe of companies and find out candidates which have required or requisite attributes of a winner, right? Then when you come to portfolio construction, again, right, how do you rank when you have so many companies or candidates across so many sectors? That's another challenge you have, right? So this system, is not only about picking great companies, but it is also about ranking companies. Think of it as a university, if I were to give an example. University mein ya ekdam koi elite college hai, usme itne hi seat hai. Let's say there are only 100 seats. And how does a university accept uh, students? They have a marks cutoff. And they say agar aapko, if you got marks beyond this, so let's say, my cutoff is 94%. So, all students who are above 94% are eligible, right? So, you want the best students, the best academically brilliant kids to be part of university or college, right? So, we do something very similar in the portfolio construction. We round up all these companies which we believe are great and them so that we are able to select at any point in time the best uh, students that are available, how do you size your position, right? Whether you should buy 3% or 6% of a company in a portfolio, right? That is also something that we do in a very objective manner. And the whole production process is important, right? How you manage the portfolio once you've chosen the company and built the portfolio? How do you shuffle your portfolio, right? How what do you think about uh, opportunity cost and that is something again what typically happens with active managers is ek bar ne model portfolio bana diya, you create a portfolio then mostly people don't that often think about uh, uh, you know there may be other sectors which start to do well there may be other companies that start to do well and how you think about you not participating in those companies because there may be a uh, uh, opportunity cost of something sitting in your portfolio not delivering return there may be other uh, candidates which are available and therefore portfolio construction is as important as finding a great company and last is how do you manage risk right so when do you sell a stock and why should you sell a stock and therefore In this system we've even created the ability a very objective non-biased way of buying and allowing a certain threshold so we look at fundamentals and price both again so if there is substantial deterioration in the fundamental of a business then obviously it will start giving lower marks and then, therefore, that student is out and maybe another student which is scoring very well will be brought in, right? Because you always want to keep the name of your university because uh, your university is good because you always have the best uh, students uh, who get admission into the university. So I think what we have done is that without any biases having the ability to sift through humongous amount of data in a very structured manner, and then trying to use all that we have learned in the last 15, 20 years and to codify it into a uh, a very objective algorithm is what the attempt of alchemy ascent is. And as a result of that, we did almost five years of work to build the system. We almost tested the system for 20 plus years with a lot of data that we had historical. And our idea was that over a three to five year rolling basis, the strategy should have the ability to generate significant alpha over the relevant benchmark. Right. And in this case, we use the BSE 200 as the benchmark. So it's not very narrow, neither is it too wide, because broadly speaking, we are working with the top 17 and a half percent cutoff market cap of companies uh, uh, which are available, right? And therefore, the ability to construct the portfolio from the best candidates And also what happens is that, you know, for uh, let's say what's happening in the market today, right? So for example, suddenly there are sectors which investors had long forgotten to invest in metals, textiles. I mean, these are sectors that do not come very naturally today to to active investors, right? So we've all, uh, because there are uh, uh, so many companies that did phenomenally well, uh in in certain sectors like consumer uh, staples or discretionary or financials right we naturally tend to gravitate towards those sectors and suddenly we found but the world is very dynamic right fundamentals change equations change and suddenly you may find new sectors which might start to perform and what the system has done and you know david will show that is that we have the inherent flexibility that it, this system was able to capture a lot of these trends very early, right? So it invested in specialty chemical companies very early in the life cycle. They invested in textile companies very early in the life cycle. Now I'm, as an active manager though, I've been managing active portfolios for 20 years. If I have to now start looking at textile companies, I have to go back many years Uh, You know, when I used to look at textile companies early, relearn a lot of the things. And there is always a latency time before I would catch on to a trend. That's the advantage that the strategy has got, that the moment it starts to see that the numbers, uh, suddenly why are the numbers improving? Why are the margins improving? Why are the cash flows improving? Why is the growth improving in a certain sector? It does not have any bias in metal metals that new method, textiles that we don't do this. We don't do that. It is completely unconstrained, right? The only thing we have done is that we've cleaned up the universe for any governance issues, right? So we've cleaned up the universe and said, we will not invest in certain kind of businesses. And there are very clear quality thresholds, which we have put in place, uh, which means that by and large, notorious companies and notorious businesses don't get into your portfolio right so basically that's the advantage that we bring to the table that years of learning very objective way of analyzing very structured way of building a portfolio and a structured way to manage risk is what brings together uh, all of this into the strategy so what i'll do now is that i will hand over uh, uh the uh the next part to devin he will take you through uh the the mechanics of the product and then we will be happy to answer any questions
2: yeah all right over to you devin yeah thanks thanks Ian. thanks for that so uh, i i just wanted to say that this recipe has been uh, fine tuned over 6 years uh, you know uh, back in 2013 when proof of concept was put in place that yes we a rule based system is something that we would like to see. Of how do you repeat the success, right? So uh, you know this strategy has taken time over six years, with two years of our own prop money, to refine and develop. And as Heeran put it, it's a recipe that we have taken some time to refine over a period of time. However, you know just to share the crux, right? There was a mandate which was given for this algorithmic strategy. Uh, right. I would just like to highlight those things because that is the core essence of our strategy. Right. Some points which Hiran did cover, but I would like to categorically say these are the main essence of our core algorithmic strategy. One is this: every investment thought, right, must be stated objectively and quantifiably. Right. So uh, investment thought cannot be subjective. It has to be mentioned in an objective manner, and it has to be backed by data. Right. So for example, which he had mentioned, you know, if the company is superior or when the active manager says the company is very good, we would want a quantifiable parameter in either in terms of return on capital or a return on asset to back that claim. Or for that matter, someone says that this company deals in a very niche product, then their operating margins have to be better. Right. So that is one mandate. The other one was this strategy will not forecast right forecast can go right or wrong right if everyone got the forecast right each active managers would have sat on a lot of money right what we realized that the winners when we back tested and when we checked right uh which hiren was mentioning that we looked at some of our winners we looked at some of the other winners right some of the attributes were always present in the numbers before they ran up for example bajaj finance i right or asian pains or infosys for that matter so and also we have seen that the cost of conviction is very expensive you know if you believe that you know something is going to do well and if it doesn't do well then the cost that is there is quite significant so we said that we will go by data rather than convection conviction to invest in this strategy right then the other part of the core essence of the strategy is that we do not we we don't work with what markets can do right but what is our response to the market right now market is influenced by uh, many parameters right you know there is oil there is russia ukraine war a lot of things that will impact the market now it can be very fancy to say that my model is working on you know so many data parameters and so various parameters but then uh you know We see that this is the the model is not sustainable or stable. So we have limited ourselves to 50 quantifiable parameters and a cross web of 250 interactions between these 50 quantifiable parameters, right. And I will touch upon that we do not work on a model portfolio, we we have a bespoke uh, designer portfolio for each client. uh, And that will be touching in the portfolio construction piece the other thing which we have realized is that in this strategy we said that we will not argue with the markets right market price is the ultimate truth because in the past what we have seen is that market uh, right arguing with the market on the downside increases your risk and arguing with the market on the upside limits your positive potential so that was another mandate that was put through the other thing which is most important is portfolio cr- construction, right?
1: You would... let me just uh, uh, one second here, you know, I, I just wanted to elaborate here on one point when yeah, I yeah, said that point. we don't argue Be with sure. the markets, right? Let me give you an example. Uh, I remember many years ago, um, at, actually, this is around 2014 or 15. Many great portfolios had Sun Pharma in them, right? It's a great company, delivered fantastic, consistent returns ever since it got listed for 10, 12, 15 years in a row, right? And what happens is that when something like that happens, you start a bias starts creeping in, right? And if you actually look at the chart of Sun Pharma, I think it peaked at about 1200 bucks odd in 2014 or 2015, I, I forget the exact year. Right?
0: Yeah, around and three, then, eight.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then for f- five years, it didn't give any returns. And the stock went, and every time from 1200, it went to 1000. People said, baut achha company hai, 1000, it went to 900. People averaged. 900 went to 800. People averaged. It went all the way down to 450. Right? So you don't argue with the markets beyond the point right and your biases creep in and for five years it didn't do anything on the other hand it gave negative alpha right so that is one example of not arguing with the market beyond the point similarly when i come across a lot of investors including myself somebody or the other has not invested in hdfc bank at some point in time You know, I could never buy it or I bought it, but I sold it very early. You know, it went up, ran up 10x, right? So, that is all our perception beyond the point which plays, right? What is expensive? What is cheap? What you should keep averaging? You don't beyond the point argue with the markets because the markets, unless obviously you are dealing with very illiquid stocks which can go up and down randomly. But these are all very, uh, you know, there are so many investors who regret having not invested in Infosys during the best growth years of Infosys because they could never catch it, right? They always found it expensive, right? So we realize that these biases creep in, these judgmental calls which are not very objective creep in and there has to be some final arbiter and we believe the end at the end of the day the markets can be wrong in the short term but in the long run they are never wrong right so 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 that's why we don't want to either limit our potential because of the price on the way up nor do we want to keep arguing and bleeding when beyond the point the price keeps going down sorry continue right so you know
2: this so discipline is the other aspect so we said like we said we you know it is completely void of emotion so this is the core essence on which the strategy was built right so it is very result oriented it is unbiased it is disciplined it is consistent and it is always backed by data right so with this right so he didn't mention their experience and their thought process has gone into creating it we have taken over four years of reiterating refining all of these things right to derive on a 50 quantifiable parameters right so we, we we said that you know we'll we'll let us look at what is more important and we said we zeroed in on 50 quantifiable parameters but we always mentioned that the parameters will not act independent, right? Uh, we have created 250 interactions between these various uh, parameters, right? And we have given it four subjects. Continuing with the metaphor which Hiran had mentioned, right? An elite university. So these are the four subjects in which the the stocks are ranked or uh, you know evaluated on, which is growth valuation quality risk management and market cycle right so each of these parameters that we we look through and we give marks now a positive attribute right if the net margin or roc is superior right we give a positive marks to it right uh, coupled with a, a lower debt to equity ratio again a positive mark so there is a cobweb right there is 250 interactions each interaction depending upon uh the previous one we give a positive marks one more important thing is rejection is most important here right what we do is we give negative marks for companies and we've seen you know this is from their uh, our back results and analyzing things we see that the revenues are going up but cash conversion is only not happening right then we start giving negative marks to negative attributes or if you have a significant debt on your portfolio uh, uh, in your balance sheet then we start giving negative marks so what we have done is across these four subjects right we started giving marks to the uh, to each and every stock so now what happens is we look at top 17.5 percentile of the market Right, right now it stands anywhere about eight thousand crores. So around three hundred and seventy to four hundred companies are ranked and analyzed every single day for those fifty quantifiable parameters and their two hundred and fifty interactions on them. Basis that, right, we give and allocate marks to each of these companies, irrespective of which sector they belong to, is irrespective of. Uh, uh you know any of the anchors. so the only thing is the market capitalization if it is beyond eight thousand crores and it is not part of our negative list right some miscurrents which we do not want to come into our portfolio then we start ranking these stocks now the other important part is which this which again the mandate was that portfolio construction is more important than having that one single multi-bagger so on an average we hold 25 to 30 stocks this the system gives a weight anywhere between three percent to six percent for a particular stock however right if you get an exceptional candidate it's a brilliant ca- uh, guy who's scored bet or good in all four subjects we say we will be able to buy up to 10 percent at cost into that stock right so that is where we don't take concentrated bets our portfolio creations are and a typical portfolio will have anywhere between 25 to 30 stocks right uh, all our stocks which come through in the portfolio have passed through quality filters uh you know and there is a strict risk mitigation pat- platform which is put into place right so uh, let's say in, in in our portfolio, right? There are two ways in which the stock can move out after it has come into the portfolio. One is on its own merit, right? Where some of the thresholds go down, your you know, the, the growth comes down or your fundamental parameters come down or your balance sheet starts showing negative marks or it comes down significantly with respect to other people and it has been sitting in the portfolio for a certain period of time and not performing, then the stock will move out and a superior candidate will start coming in, right? Also, the other way is if our quality thresholds, minimum thresholds have been breached, then the stock completely moves out without being replaced. And then the strategy will find the next best candidate to invest into. So this is how it is uh, being Uh, uh, doing this, Uh, it is structured, right? So now what we did was we had to backtest this, right? So in theory, everything is good. Uh, And we wrote all the rules down and we said, okay, this looks right, right? Uh, Now let's go ahead and test it. So what we did is we took a window period of 21 years, right from 1997 to December, 2018. And we tested this strategy for the rules that we had written, right? and after refining this is the strategy which is live currently even with live money uh, you would see that over this 21 years of back tested data this strategy has given an annualized return of 33% whereas the benchmark which is bse 200 has given a return of 13% right here i would like to highlight that this strategy is based on an investment chassis right it is not momentum based it is not trading platform it is a investment chassis a pms uh platform to invest and create that additional wealth right so you would see that you know on a monthly basis there are a lot of numbers sorry on this graph but i'll just highlight a couple of them on a monthly basis over this 21 years horizon the strategy performed better in 63 percent of the time and year, even on an yearly basis, it performed better on an 82% uh, uh, of the time. Now, like I said, this strategy is designed to be invested for over three to five years. Now, if you see, what we did was if you draw a single line, you can say, boss, the base was small. You can always give a superior return. Anyone would have given that. Right? So what we said is, let's cut this strategy into small pieces. right? Let's do a three-year or a five-year rolling and see how the strategy is performing. So if you see the data, when you give this strategy enough time, which it has proven in live money also and in back tested also, it has always beaten the benchmark and created that additional alpha over the benchmark over five years rolling period or three years rolling period for that matter. Now what happens is all these investors who would want to say Ki, yaar, abhi market top pe hai. if I invest now, what will happen? or you know is this the right time to invest so what we said that these uh, the strategy has to be robust enough to be able to do this on various cycles right so what we did is we tested this over 31 different data points right on the start of the market at the bottom of the market near market top right and we have seen that this strategy creates significant alpha when you give it three to five years of time. So when you look at this you know uh, the near the market top in 2000, the strategy gave a 20% return in back-tested data, whereas the benchmark gave 5% return, right? So this same strategy has been alive. Now, one of the other aspects which I wanted to share with you guys was the fact that this strategy does not shy away from creating cash right because at every single day it looks at where the market is and deploys money however if it feels that the market conditions or the stocks are uh, the fundamentals and things are deteriorating it will go and sit in cash so if you see in a backtested data back in 2000 and uh, 2008 it created up to 70 and 60 percent cash now you can say this is the back-tested data. What is there in COVID scenario? Right. COVID was a similarly sharp uh, correction scenario. So even in COVID, right, our strategy was fully deploy, uh, uh, deployed in March, in in uh, in December, but in March, the strategy went and sat up to 65% in cash, right? And then slowly, slowly started deploying once the market started improving. So the other aspect of this and the beauty of a system is that it will look at the market situation and it does not shy away from creating cash. And this is what the strategy has proved in the backtest as well as in a real COVID scenario. right. So these are the rolling returns over five years and three years in the backtested data when it has created significant alpha so now before we move on to the live data and the numbers i just wanted to say you know this is the core essence it is completely unbiased it is void of greed fear and hope right there is no emotion involved it is void of greed fear and hope and it is completely disciplined right our systems run it there is no manual intervention to the strategy that we do or manual uh, interventions which uh, are taken from the fund management side it is completely disciplined it is back tested for 21 years now we have been running this strategy for almost you know three years now and it has proven even and everyone would say that you know last three years have been one of the most volatile part of the markets with sharp corrections and sharp uh, upswings. Right even in such a scenario our strategy has proved right uh, the churn ratio of this strategy is around 67% on an average this strategy sits on 10% of cash right? so this is the other point which hiren was driving that you know if you see some of our stocks which are here Deepak nitride kpr mills uh, you know kpit these are our strong uh, large holdings and the return that this strategy with live money right has given over a year it has given a 62% return whereas the benchmark was uh, 29.8%. so this is the kind of return that uh, the strategy has produced over a period of time and if you see the you know it, it this strategy is completely void of sector and cap allocations it will it's a bottoms-up approach where it finds opportunity it will go ahead and uh you know invest in that company as long as it meets the market cap it, as long as it meets our quality parameters and fundamentals are in place the stock will come into our portfolio so yeah i would like i i thought that this would be you know crunch it small and uh, let's hear you hear it from you guys if you guys have any questions that format will work out much more better than me just talking about the product so uh, uh, guys if you have any questions happy to answer those
0: sure sure so you can turn off this uh, uh, presentation, sure. and then we'll have the q a it's all right so we'll open the forum for q a question and answer so uh, dear participants if you have any questions please type in your questions in q a box not in the chat box so I have a couple of questions, uh, you know, which I keep getting on behalf of the investors. I would like to ask this. Uh, uh, when I was looking at the data points I looked at, one of the things is that your your uh, market cap is the minimum threshold is 4000 crores. And, you know, your market cap is increasing day by day as we go ahead. So is this strategic or you sort of aligned with the market uh, eventually?
2: so this is actually very strategic we always said that we wanted to look at the top 17.5 percentile right so when we started off right the market cap was 4000 and now where we are the cutoff for us was 4000 crores right now the market has also grown and the size has become uh, around 8000 crores so it is very strategic and i would like to highlight here is like we try to Uh, you know work the way nifty works nifty is very ruthless right if you see the constituents of nifty back in december 2000 and if you look at the nifty constituents now only 18 to 20 have survived but that 18 to 20s market cap has gone up significantly rest all have moved out so this strategy also works on a similar basis it culls out all the losers and sticks with the winners so what we have done is we have said that we want to act only in the top 17.5 percentile of the market cap so that that is significant size there is liquidity in those uh, counters and it's not easy to manipulate right because it's system driven so that is where we
0: are and it is a strategic play that we have played sure the other thing is we also heard here talking about the all the forensics research and everything is done so a lot of filtration is done before you look at your universe of 350 to 400 stocks there is a lot of emphasis which is made on meeting the management, uh, which is a traditional way of investing. And now, on the other side, you have rule based investing. So, can you throw some more lights on that? Right. Yes. Yeah, so, <clears throat> so,
1: basically, uh, you know, I think that uh, as active managers, we want to meet the management to get a sense. We want them to guide us in some manner future kya hoga, how do you see the growth panning out right now all those things are not possible when you have a rule-based system actually you don't want those biases to creep in right and therefore we said that whatever you want to be you should be able to see it in the data right so it is quite simple. There is an honest management and he tells you that, look, I'm going to grow at X and he grows at X, right? Then there is no problem. So between our system, uh, uh, if he actually grows at X and you can see the numbers and you can see the trend, we don't have a problem. But let's say you have a management who says, I will grow at X, but only grows at X minus Y. Then you have a problem, right? So A There are always advantages and disadvantages. So this system is not here to predict, right? It is not based on projections. It is not based on, oh, I felt very good after meeting the management. For that, you have the active managers doing that, right? And as I said, there are several ways to make money. Today, people also invest in in index funds right uh usme, whether you meet the management don't meet the management doesn't really matter right so a yes there are no extra insights that you will get by meeting the man. our thing is very clear in fact uh, uh you know when we looked at many of the winners we were very seldom have we had a situation where everything was based on us thinking about the future or drawing a future hypothesis of a company. All great companies gave you enough chance to buy when the numbers were already there on paper and good. It is just that we have our biases or sometimes we are unable to decipher it or we don't have that kind of bandwidth to go through so many numbers, right, and therefore we believe that it's not a handicap in the system if we don't meet the management we don't talk to them what this system does is it talks to numbers if akka number aya and you have the right combination you have the right attributes then you are of use to us so in that case uh,
0: because you know uh, there is a saying that you cannot afford to time the market so what's your deployment strategy like then in that case does the system give you some sort of uh, alarming situation that you know you cannot deploy everything in one go or it is what's your strategy like or it is deployed overnight devin yeah so you know the deployment strategy is
2: basis where the market is and what are the ranks and what are the constituents of those companies which have come in and the signals that are given, right? It always look at the market condition and it deploys. So when I showed you that, uh, you know, chart is where Deepak Nitrite was around 9%, doesn't mean that when a new client comes in that I will go ahead and buy Deepak Nitrite, right? So number one is that it will look at the market condition at that point. And we have seen typically in our live uh, data, right, of around three years, usually the deployment happens anywhere between 20% to 55% on day 1 the market the strategy will look and create a portfolio looking at the market condition and deploy it over a period of time usually the deployment happens anywhere between 3 weeks to 6 to 7 weeks right so depending upon the market cycle depending upon there is no forced deployment and there is no manual intervention to the strategy right and it is also it so it doesn't shy away to sit on cash if it doesn't find the right signals or the stock to invest in from the investable universe so i hope i have answered that question
0: getting it so you're saying essentially that everybody's portfolio may not be the same and depending upon the market situation levels it will vary from one to another is that correct Absolutely. So if you look at some of our live
2: portfolios and our clients, right, the, the constituents of their portfolio back in September 2019. And now if you look at September 21, the portfolios will be very are, are different, right? So uh, as long as it is very, the strategy has invested around 65 into 65 stocks. But one client guy will have only 20 to 25 stocks, right? So it is very different and it is dependent upon when stock was entered when the client was activated so it it depends upon on many parameters and that only a system can do right a system can only have or a computing power can only have and figure out how much cash the person is sitting on what stocks it has and everything at our end is driven by the system so you're absolutely right. The constituents of stocks between client A and client B, if they are significantly de- uh, aware in time period might be different. So during the
0: presentation, uh, you also mentioned that uh, this model portfolio also generates good amount of cash. So what are the circumstances in which it can generate significant amount of cash? Like you talked about COVID or 2008 Lehman Brother crisis.
2: Right. So, uh, uh, you know, that's a a good point. What we do is that we have said that we will not argue with the markets. Right. And if some of our thresholds have been broken and if the market is not conducive, it goes ahead and sits on cash. So, what happened was during COVID, it went and sat on cash up to 65%. And over the next three months, it started deploying. One more thing which I would like to highlight here is that before COVID hit, right in in december uh, you know 19 we had almost you know 30% into financials when it came to covid when covid hit us and when the strategy created cash right we had 0% in financials so this strategy is all complete bottoms up it will look at where the opportunity is and then it started deploying into, you know, specialty chemicals. We started buying Deepak nitrite, uh, you know, so this is how the strategy works. It is void of any sectors and will not shy away to create cash when the market is not conducive and it will not argue with the market. It will go ahead and sit in cash.
1: So Vikas, uh, basically what happened was that, uh, you know, if many of your price thresholds are violated, right? the system will sense that the risk reward is not in your favor, right? And it also takes the volatility of the market, right? So if, if, if for a certain uh, kind of company, if you are ending up, uh, pay, uh, you know, too much volatility in the market, it is happy to sit out until the volatility compresses and then it starts to invest back in the market. And what he made an interesting observation, and what we also found was that typically what happens whenever there is a large drawdown in the market, a 20% plus kind of a correction, more often than not, leadership among sector changes. So the leadership of the previous bull market was private financials. And what happens, whether you like it or not, you know, people's portfolios were loaded with financials. Well, and it's as you know
0: percent
1: Yeah, and as you know. Up until recently, even even in fact now, right? The banks, the bank Nifty has underperformed the Nifty by a huge margin, right? But there were other sectors which really did very well: IT services, specialty chemicals, pharma, textiles, right? So it has no bias. It doesn't say that index 35% so I have to keep some financial in my portfolio. And what happened was that many of these companies, uh, uh, you know, uh, banks had to show a loss because they made provisions, NPAs were very high, right? And therefore, until that smoothens out in the numbers, right, it will not allocate. So but you didn't lose out, you actually did better. By not owning financials during the last 12-18 months, you actually did better owning some of the other sectors where the numbers really uh, did very well, and you know that is the reason why some of those indices are doing better than uh, uh, you know better than the banking index, right? So there is no uh, sectoral anchoring or bias that happens, um, and it will go where fundamental performance is there. So there has to be a combination of fundamental performance and the market recognizing that fundamental performance and rewarding companies, right? So when the two meet is when all the tick marks happen uh, and, and then it chooses the stocks. Well,
0: that's a great way of, uh, you know, uh, riding through the growth journey. So the other question is, uh, you know, this is for Hiran. So, you know, how does this model portfolio react to situations like now the current situation, which? The india the global economy is going through like geopolitical situations you know where or maybe the fed hiking rates or interest rate going up in india back so how would uh, what is your view on that
1: see i think a lot of that is noise right uh, uh the the system cannot recognize that uh, your market is correcting because of x y or z right but there are certain so it's uh, but if there are certain stocks uh, where the market is very intelligent right so if it corrects very high pe stocks then it is telling you that probably the regime is changing right and uh, therefore it will it will go to stocks where uh, uh, you know maybe the valuations are more reasonable and uh, it will not catch a falling knife so to speak in 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 market language right so A, it does not bother too much about uh, uh, what is causing the disruption. It will take the disruption into account, right? Uh, it, it will, and, and, and that is why if you see there are certain stocks that survive uh, these kind of disruptions, and there are certain stocks that don't survive, or there are certain stocks which may have better uh, uh, survivability during a certain kind of uh, headwind in the market, right? so for example now it has recently taken more low beta stocks in the portfolio like tcs for example or uh, recently we got a capital goods company coming in like lnt into the portfolio so it recognizes the uh, trend change that is happening uh, because of the volatility right and uh, and it will respond accordingly
0: next question is for devin devin you mentioned that you allow winners to grow and you know cut out your losers but what's your exit strategy like don't you think sometimes you can go overweight overweight on one particular sector or or a particular stock right
2: so see the, uh, uh, you know like i said this strategy is designed to be like how nifty behaves right it sticks with the winners so you never know and we've seen in the past right the, the the winners always keep on surprising on the upside and losers when it starts doing down it always keeps on surprising on the downside so what we have done is the exit strategy is very clear risk mitigation is very clear that it will start put a threshold that beyond this threshold if the stock goes down it will move out right or if the stock is staying like for example itc of the world right if you're if, uh, uh, it has not done quite a bit right it is, is on a flat so something like this if a stock comes into a portfolio and ha- is not performing and wasting a slot right uh then but a superior candidate is available then we will go ahead and replace that stock right? so to, there are two ways of how the stocks moves out but on the upside we have seen that you know arguing with the market on the upside or a stock on the upside we will that was nifty also does right the market cap of those companies and they still stay in as part of the constituents and they keep on growing so we have emulated that regime where on the upside we don't go ahead and you know say you know because you never know what is the top point right for example tata LXC, you know two points to be made out here you know during covid the stock was at around 500. You know, an uh, uh, active fund manager would be very scared to buy it at 5,000. The strategy bought it at around 4,800 again, all right, at us. Now, from there, it went to 5,000, 5,600, 6,000, 7,000. How do you know what is the top, right? So, we have stayed with that position, all right? So, that is how this works. It stays with the winners and it starts culling out the losers. See, Vikas, it's like this, right? Difficulty. As he
1: said, I mean, like, for example, because private financials kept on performing their weight in the nifty kept going up right so right. it is not that somebody decided that it should be 35 percent. it organically became 35 percent. and now if there is a mean reversion that has to happen which is other sectors have to take a slightly higher share which means that those inherent constituents have to keep performing for their share to naturally go up Right. So, if Reliance is 14%, and if Reliance doesn't perform tomorrow, then slowly, slowly, Reliance's weight will keep coming down to 10%, and then sub 10% in the in the in the in the in the uh, index. Right. So, it is it is something like that. You you don't uh, you, uh, you you don't disturb something which is in natural motion as long as it is backed by data. Right. So, if it continues to perform fundamentally and if the price keeps going up why disturb unless the price shows a very worrying behavior or the numbers start to tell you a different story
0: okay next question is from mr rajendra so how to get uh, and create a lot of good when uh, when markets are so volatile at this point of time is basically i think more to do with should we enter right now or not.
1: See, uh, at, at, at every point in the market, uh, your risk-reward in some stocks will always be great, right? And as we have shown that to remove this bias of when should we enter, is it a top, is it a middle of a bull market, is it a bottom of a market, we have tested this strategy on various random dates it could be the first date of the financial year it could be the first date of the calendar year it could be a top of a bull market it could be the middle of a bull market it could be the bear market it doesn't really matter Uh, the beauty at least in this strategy is that it doesn't really matter it will look at the market situation it will look at if there are any deserving candidates based on risk reward and it will invest and if it doesn't find candidates as devin said we are happy to sit on some cash right so uh, so we don't really break too much of our head on what is going to happen today or tomorrow
0: sure and the other thing is you know they're saying that you make a lot of money when the data is back-tested. so you mentioned that six years have been born have into uh, you know sort of doing your own research so you had put in your own money is there a skin in the game that when you are doing the back testing that you put your own money and yeah, at- yeah it was
1: not on paper it was not on paper we actually put real money behind it and uh, uh, we ran the strategy with our own money and only once we were convinced that we have now brought the strategy to production stage did we start uh uh you know you uh, uh with client monies and that also you should understand we ever we ever 18 20 year track record right so we initially didn't even go to external investors we just went to our existing investors who were invested in our active pms's and asked them that look this is something that we have developed this is something that we've tested we believe in it why don't you start allocating some part of your portfolio to this strategy and that's how this strategy has grown right and the beauty is that one is back testing Now, when we started in September 19, we did not know COVID is going to happen. So, in a way, there can't be a better reflection that this strategy has got stress tested in a very difficult time period, right? So, uh, from September, the markets went up, then the markets crashed, then again the markets revived, now the markets are sideways. I mean, we have actually seen the strategy perform, right, over this period. And uh, therefore, it's not just about paper trading. So even when we back tested it, we used our own money, our own uh, money, we we tested it out. And only once we were completely confident that we started to accept money from external investors.
0: All right, so before we conclude the session, last question from my end. So how many uh, stocks one can expect when he is starting the strategy, number one? And number two, after two years, three years down the line, as you said that you uh, you cut down the losers, then how many stocks can uh, be there after two years or three years down the line?
2: Right. So I'll take that. Uh, initially, you know, when the portfolio is formed, typically there are around, depending upon the market cycle, right? There could be anywhere between four to ten stocks that come in, right? And over, on day one, uh, that's day one. And over a period of time when the deployment happens, usually we have seen that on an average from all our past this thing, the stock portfolio is anywhere between twenty to twenty five stocks. And this will move, obviously, you know if, if the stock uh, you know moves out and if a superior stock comes in. so the 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 number of scripts we haven't put a limiter, but technically speaking, and if you go so mathematically, if each is 3% maximum stocks that we can hold is around 30 right but we have seen in the past the strategy usually picks up around 20 to 25 stocks for one particular client
0: i got it so with that I would like to conclude the session i take this opportunity to thank uh Hiren, uh for taking the time out from his busy schedule and joining in today and answering all the questions so patiently and thank you devin for presenting this case so beautifully so thank you so much uh Uh, Thanks dear participant for joining in today.
1: Thanks, thanks Vikas. Thanks for giving the opportunity. Thanks everybody. Thank you.
2: Thanks Vikas. Thanks, Thanks everyone.